1: Love Talk Radio.
0: I'm the A, his name is Q, breaking down every single sport for you. On Thursday nights from 8 to 10, we are the true voice of the fans, so you know we always win. From hoops to football, to video games, baseball, hockey, the NCAA, we give our side, cause that's all we know, this is a labor of love, that's why we do this show. From the murder mitten to the sunshine state, we can talk all day about who's great. Give us a call anytime 760-539-3269. You know if we could, we would do this every day. Welcome to this episode of Sports QA. Sports QA. Sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans. Sports Q&A. sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, Sports Q&A, we are the true voice of the fans.
1: What's good, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of Sports Q&A. I'm Q. And I'm um, A. i am q
0: and i am a and we're here in the building on Tuesday, June the 6th, 2017 Right smack dab in the middle, well not the middle, almost the middle of the NBA Finals uh, A lot of other hot stories that we're going to cover today But before that, you know what we got to do We got to show you how you can get in contact with us So you can go to Facebook and you can follow the Facebook group the Sports Q&A also, the Facebook page, Sports QA. You can also follow us as our Facebook account, which is Low, L O W E, the letter N, Washington. That's Low, L O W E, the letter N, in Washington. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sports underscore QA. Also on Twitter, Sports underscore QA underscore preps, and also Sports, uh, uh, sports underscore QA. That's sports underscore QA underscore preps and sports QA uh, underscore QA. Man, that was a mouthful right there. Uh, yeah. Go to our website. Check us out at <coughs> www.sportsqanda.com. That is sportsqand.com. And last but not least, give us a call. Tonight, 760-539-3269. That is 760-539-3269. What's good with your Q? How's the weather? Everything is everything. Is, is the weather typical Dallas weather going on? I mean, it's June. Is it is it unbearable? Yet?
1: Uh, not yet. It's been up and down. I know. Uh, going to watch game two. It was a, a monsoon, and the weather was, it was. It's been raining real heavy the past weekend. But supposedly dried up real quick, and it's actually about to hit the nineties again this upcoming weekend. Well, we,
0: around these parts, we hit the 80 once. You no, know, I think maybe back-to-back days. Uh, and today it was, didn't even get into the 70s. Well, it was 64, but the sun didn't come out, so it felt like it was 54. But I can deal with that because my school is a hot box with no A.C. So it can be nice and cool. See, June. But well, here. Uh, uh, um, We'll get a little more in depth in that, but something that happened in came to not actually came actually leads us to our point to game. Uh oh you know, players are made available to interview on the podium, the NBA podium, all those good things. And most players comply and all that good stuff. Well LeBron had a complaint about the location or something about it. So he only did interviews in the locker room. And when I was thinking about that, trying to think about point counterpoint, it um kind of reminded me of something that we discussed Oh, two a year ago in January with oh Cam Newton leaving press conference following the Super Bowl loss. So and I said, "What well, this is eerily familiar." Let's talk about which one is kind of worse. And I kind of spoke. I think if you all remember, we kind of we were on different sides of the Cam Newton piece ourselves. Uh, so I'm pretty sure we're on we're on opposite sides uh, when it comes to this. So Q, I want you to restate or uh, why you on on what. Is
1: your point, and then I'll counter with that. <clears throat> uh, for those who missed those shows, I just repeated my issue will always be with Cam because I looked at him up until that Super Bowl press conference as a guy that never shied away from taking the media spotlight during that week of interviews, the the media frenzy. He was all smiles, had jokes, was just typical cam. Now all of a sudden you have a disappointing game, your team loses, you overhear uh opposing teammate make some comments, and now you want to go into crybaby mode. Suck it up. This is I understand it was a tough game and everybody talks that oh, I want somebody that's going to be emotional or going to be mad after the game. It wasn't even about being mad. You really think that the rest of his Panther teammates weren't mad? You really think some of these other guys that lose in these big games aren't mad? They still carry themselves with a high level of professionalism. They still do what they have to do to make sure that their interviews are on the up and up, just putting it as simply as possible. But Cam, that that evening, decided he wanted to bow his head, mumble over his words, and then eventually get up and leave after what we found out later, him hearing the comments from Chris Harris. Now, those are two separate things, and I'm going to let you get to your point in one second. Um, Him hearing what Chris Harris had to say, okay, I can understand if you got up and left, but that's, if you had been holding the the original part of the interview like a man. But he didn't. If he had been saying, if he had been taking his medicine, responding with some authority to those questions, and then he heard Chris Harris say what he said, which was still misconstrued, then I could be like, okay, yeah, Cam really didn't want to hear that, so he just left. But Cam spent that whole time with the hoodie over his head, yes, no, 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 that type of response. We have <laughs> kids that we mentor that handle adversity better than Cam did that night. So he gets no he gets no he gets no pass from me.
0: Well, so again, I'm just going to go to my my counter. My counter is strictly you look at things in 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 its totality, um, regardless of however you look at it. To each to each other's teams. LeBron, I mean, Cam is the LeBron of the Panthers, but Cam is not the LeBron of the NFL. So when you have um, basically both players kind of doing the same thing, taking a butt whooping, and on a on large stage, um, the reactions were similar. Uh, And the the thing is, is that LeBron is the face of the NBA. Cam is not. Cam, regardless if he would have won and he was having a hell of a a playoff run to that point, LeBron still, I mean, uh, Cam still would not have been the face of the NFL, even with that win. So I think that plays a bigger part for me. And LeBron having a lackluster, response and him also saying it had nothing to do with the loss as a bad game, I call Bush league on that. so when I look at it with who he is and in that situation and his team needing him to be that uh that force to make sure that they come back or have the ability to come back or at least the thought process to come back then he needed to be able to stand up there and say what he said yeah he did an interview but the interviews in the locker room are different from the podium I mean you, and we've been in both situations where you it's more of a the beat writer piece as opposed to the national stage even though you have both in there it's it's a different it's a different mentality different approach so i think that lebron in that situation him being the face of the nba him also being what what pushes and drives and motivates any and everything that goes through the Cavaliers is set a bad precedent. Now, I'm not gonna go as far as some of the uh, some other sports commentators who's talking about that LeBron is the reason why the NFL is horrible. I think it was Rob Parker, I think I sent it to you the other day from last week, saying LeBron is, uh-huh. is wrong with the NBA and that he didn't leave the NBA in a better place than when he started it. I, I, I I'm not agreeing with that. Uh, nobody's. I mean, I'm a grown man, and yes, I have mentors and other stuff, but I'm not following anybody blindly just because somebody did something. I'm gonna do it too, and that was kind of what he alluded to in the fact of how LeBron operated and the the super squads and all that other stuff that he was. He's the reason for that and everything else. I, I'm not buying into that, but I do buy that LeBron should have stepped up in a different way to address. Basically, at the end of the day, game and the questions coming towards to him, even though he had a triple double, because at the end of the day, I can say that LeBron is not the reason that they lost. It's his team, so he's going. It's like a quarterback. He's going to get the the blunt the brunt of all of the, the, the acclaim and all of the dismay that comes with winning and losing, but he, it's not his fault. So with that being the case, I think LeBron, being who he is, he's a bigger fault, more fault than, than Cam was, because Cam, again, is still rising. And I don't think, I mean, Cam is how many seasons in? Six? Is it that yeah. long? Is it that Six seasons in. Probably,
1: not- yeah, probably, yeah.
0: Right, he's not trending towards being the best quarterback of all time I mean, people have already kind of, I'm sure, written him off As that being even a possibility So, um, I think that LeBron, for where he is in his career He knows how it works And he knows that anybody else would have got raked across the coals For not doing that But in this instance, which is ironic some of the fans kind of went off, but I think the media kind of just shook it off and whatever. And I think it's partly because they got their butts whooped two games in a row in a game in which Game Two started off with the Cavaliers hitting the uh, the Warriors in the face and saying, "Hey, we here. This is what we doing." And they responded in typical Golden State fashion. So that's 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 how I feel that LeBron's piece is uh he was at bigger fault or it was a bigger wrong uh for him to not step up to the podium and answer the questions. Which like I said, majority of the time he has no issues doing. And it may be like I said, it may be the level of frustration, but him being the face of the NBA, unless he's trying to pass that crown on to somebody on Golden State, he has to stand up and do that.
1: I mean this is not now, like I a will team. say this. Uh huh. the fact that the difference between the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl the Super Bowl is only one game so Cam isn't going to have what you mentioned earlier about oh using that as a, a rallying moment or the, his, his teammates seeing his response and kind of reacting towards that for the next games that's where it is a little bit different because there was no other game until next season for Cam and by then His teammates had gotten over it. The media had gotten over it. He had gotten over it. Whereas LeBron, you got three days and you're back on the court. You got practice, you got film session, you got interaction with your teammates, and they're kind of looking towards you like what is we going to do now? So I will see. I I can see where you're going with that, but I still think that the full – because of Cam's history for being a that that ham, when the mic is mm-hmm. in front of him, that's where I I took issue. Whereas if he'd been if this is humble Cam, where Cam doesn't even really talk during interviews or he's Kawhi Leonard just saying enough to get past whether he wins by twenty or loses by twenty, then I wouldn't have had no problem. But we know how Cam is. Cam will get up there cracking jokes. Camera get up there, hamming it up. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. now you want to be Mister. Now you want to be Mister. Oh, quiet time. Nah, take this bull whooping and go with it. Whereas I think LeBron still has opportunities to redeem himself for that moment. And the the NBA press conference after one game really aren't as if this would have been a out game. Whether it's game four, or five, or six, or seven, depending on how the series goes, I think that would have been that would have heightened the circumstance in the situation. Whereas this is, we have at least two more guaranteed post game post game interviews with him, so he has the opportunity to redeem himself.
0: But I just think
1: from where
0: they are in the series and how they lost. um that it really needs to he really needed to say something. Granted, he probably he talked to his teammates and everything else, but if you want to be viewed and he is a person who cares about his legacy in the NBA, how he's perceived, then you need he needs to go ahead and just say it because it's an important aspect of the series. I mean Granted, yes, they came back from 3 1 last year. Yes, they did, but this is not last year. It's a different team. The question is being fielded about what's the difference between this and that. All of those things. I just think that he, he, he could have done a better job with that. So, yeah, I mean, I think
1: that's what we, you mentioned oh, him yeah. trying to be the man. That's where the added pressure comes in more so than else. And it's like we're going to always have that. Jordan wouldn't do that or the GOAT-type player wouldn't do that. And that's, I'm like, dude, he's never, going to be, he's never going to be able to live up to any expectation of the GOAT and, except for off the court. I mean, as far as his philanthropy, because everybody's looking for a reason not to make him the GOAT. I'm like, either you are a LeBron apologist or you're, you're on the other side where you don't care for him to be the greatest player of all. And, you and, and people are going to nitpick anything he does. Like, I saw on one of my Facebook groups, oh, Jordan wouldn't have lost like that to, to a team in the finals. Yes, he did. And he lost to us in the Senate, not the Senate, Seattle Series in 96. They lost to the Sonics by 20-plus points. And Jordan had a bad game. He shot 6-19 for 22 points. And this was nowhere near the prolific offensive team of Golden State. That game, Sam Perkins was one of the top scorers with 22 points. That game, I think Deadless Schrempf also had like 18 points. So it wasn't even a matter of Seattle, somebody from Seattle dropped 40 or somebody from Seattle dropped 230 pieces. These were average scoring games. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm not... That comparison, to me, is no comparison because they're different players, different positions, uh-huh. played a different role on their teams. Where Jordan can take over a game, but he didn't have to be Mr. All Everything. Um, right. And I'm gonna say this: people may disagree. The 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 notion that Jordan made everybody better and LeBron didn't is a farce. If you look it's at backwards. some of those teams that LeBron took to the finals, and the effort he was able to get out of out of cats that were getting little or nothing, even in the series with the first series against Golden State, where you had uh, Mob Golf uh, who ended up getting a, a career contract based on that one series alone, those are the things that people don't want to look at. But you look at Jordan. Jordan had a Robin. LeBron has had different Robins. It, I mean, it's it, it's a totally different aspect, but people want to, once again, it's, a, it's partially a generation thing. Yes, Jordan changed how people looked at the N, uh, NBA. I agree. LeBron changed that as well, uh, how people look at how you can be a freak of nature and dominate basically almost pay, like magic, almost paying the one to the five. Mm-hmm. And. He dominate and has dominated Good Lord, gave up a moonshot. Um, <laughs> dominate, you know, at, at those positions. It, it hasn't been done in that Magic didn't dominate like that. Magic, even though he was 6'11", dominated in a lot of areas with finesse and flash. LeBron is like root strength and still with handles, with defense. So it's a different type. Um I mean, I mean, he's an all-around player on both ends of the court, uh, and playing with his longevity that he has, it hasn't been seen before on both ends of the court. Granted, he came straight out of high school, which to me adds a little more notion of where he is, because he must have been dominant and holding his own from season one. But, right. it, again, it's uh, no comparison, because the type of situations they were in and the type of players that they had to be in order for their teams to win, be competitive enough to win were two different totally situations.
1: And and this is my thing. And I have two points. Isaiah did an interview with uh, Undisputed with Shannon and Skip, and he brought up the the key point of who did LeBron have as far as his, his coaching mentors.
0: Like mm-hmm. everybody
1: all the other greats had it. He had Isaiah had Chuck Daly, um, Bobby mm-hmm. Knight in college. Magic had uh Dean Smith, even uh Phil Jackson, Doug Collins, who was still a good coach, even though he he never got it done as far as on the championship level. Uh you had Shaq and Kobe had Phil Jackson, um Pat Riley, um So those guys had the foundation early on. I mean, uh, LeBron came in with – I don't even remember who his first coach was with the the Cavs, and it wasn't anybody to write home with, but he got the job done. And that's – Isaiah mentioned the fact that it's like that says a lot about who he was because he created a – he did all this stuff without foundation. It's like going into studying for a test. Everybody else has – Uh, study aids, courses, all this stuff, you going in, taking the test, blind, basically, you getting an A.
0: Right.
1: First coach for LeBron? That's one thing that's... Hmm?
0: First coach for LeBron,
1: Paul Silas. Oh, see? And nobody would really consider Silas a a top-tier coach. He was a good coach, but he wasn't one of the best. And And I...
0: By Brendan issue.
1: Hmm?
0: I said that was followed by Brendan Malone
1: see, and see this is where my my issue with this whole goat conversation is why is it that Jordan all of a sudden is the determining factor for who the goat is? who determined that oh he's the the standard that everybody else should be matched up to and where is your criteria for being the best of all times? Removing the player or any player out of that, that title, what do you? And I'm I'm, I'm just go ahead and ask you this since you, we're here. What is your determining factor to decide? Okay, this guy is that is has done so much on the court. He does this. He does that. That makes him to be the greatest. Because I'm still of the. The minority Jordan does not have the should not have the unanimous vote as being a goal. And I'm not even talking about LeBron. I'm talking about Kareem because I will forever give credit. I will forever give credit to centers that can score because you have to depend on somebody to feed you the ball. Everybody mm-hmm. else has the ball in their hands and can dictate tempo, dictate the offense, everything. For Kareem to be able to score. 30 points a game, 25 points a game consistently, he maximized his touches because he wasn't getting, he wasn't bringing the ball up the court like LeBron. He wasn't having the ball deferred to him by a point guard like Jordan did. He had to sit in the post and hope somebody gave him the ball because he wasn't one of those garbage time guys who was just getting rebounds and putbacks that way. The offense was being ran through him. So for Kareem to be the all-time leading scorer and the top scorer and the top player in that level, he gets the credit. He gets an extra credit point. But back to what I was saying, what is your definition to make somebody considered the goat, or what does someone have to be to, to be considered the goat?
0: Um, number one, I want to say things that do not are not factored in because it's a lot of things that people kind of throw things in to me. First of all, it's all basketball related uh, and it's impact on the game. Uh, So it's not being media friendly, a media darling It's not about the marketing Uh and the endorsements. It's about their impact on the game, their ability to, to elevate and their ability to, uh, to dominate and to, take the game to kind of a level by their style of play. Um, I think, number one, to me, I think they have to be an all-around player. I think they have to have all five tools, probably all six tools, including defense, because I think that you have to demonstrate to be the best all-time, you have to demonstrate those things. The player you use is Kareem. He had all those. Kareem could, could pass. He could block. He could rebound. Uh, you know, and of course he can shoot uh, Somebody somehow turn that thing on thing off um, But to me I think, To me, and once again I'm basing things on players that I saw To me the all-around All-around all player uh, Is a player that had those Created mismatches alone By their presence, regardless if they And I also felt that they could play multiple positions To me, Magic is, deserves to be a lot more In that conversation because of his versatility um. Again, I was very young, but him being able to play center when Kareem went down and
1: uh-huh. dominated
0: the level that that plays a part. Once again, it, and, and you have to have you have to have legendary stories. You have to have legendary games and big pressure moments. You don't necessarily have to win the, the ship, but you have to have legendary points that people can remember. And I, once again, he's not the greatest of all time. I'll use Bernard King. As an example, he has those lords in big-time games. It's the playoffs. I mean, if you are a great player and you have great moments, but you're not doing it on the largest stage, even if you play on a horrible team, you the number eight seed, and you going against the number one seed, and you just have great games. You blew your get your team to go back then. It was the best out of five. You, you take them to game five. You take the game four. Or you win at home and game uh, on the road and game one, based upon your play. Those are the things you have to have a resume of outstanding feats in big time situations. And I think that, Le- I mean, LeBron has that. Jordan has that. But it's that special thing. Like Jordan's aspect, his his, his outstanding, his X factor to me. Other than his 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 desire to win and his and his you know that that ability to that drive is his hops. I mean if you look at the Jordan highlights that were the real Jordan highlights, majority of Jordan highlights were not jumpers. He could not done that mid range. More majority of Jordan's highlights were either dunks or flying, looping layups. That he's uh-huh. switching hands, doing things like that. That's what Jordan is known for He developed that J Which made him more versatile But that was not his strong suit His strong suit was his airness That's where he got the nickname from from him Going forward and doing that So I'm not knocking that Because that put him heads and shoulders That allowed him to do things That allowed him to to go against centers And get the, get the contact and the bucket By being able to hang in the air An extra second longer Or half a second longer than anybody else so it's not a knocking of of Jordan. I just think that, yes, it was hard to defend Jordan, but teams were able to do that. And when I say able to do that, yes, Jordan may have gotten 30 points, but his shooting percentage were low when teams were able to figure out. And, yes, I am representing the Pistons because not too many teams can mm-hmm. figure Jordan out. Jordan was not shut down by the Pistons, but he was contained to a point that, yes, it is a such thing as a quiet thirty if Jordan is taking extra shots and is taking them 25 shots to get to 30 points, because right. that's 10, 12 missed shots, which is allowing you to get rebounds and being able to get more offensive opportunities. So that's what we are talking about. Him shutting Jordan down was uh, almost an impossibility until probably when he played with the Wizards. But, and you still wasn't shutting him down, he just wasn't getting that, 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 that uh, Jordan uh, imp- uh, output that he normally is used to. So the thing is that with, with magic, he was able to post up point guards. He was able to post up, post up centers. He was able from the post. He was able to drop dimes. He was able to do a wide variety of things and be versatile and create mismatches on offense and defense. I mean, he checked Isaiah one on one. Once again, wasn't necessarily uh, standing, but if a six eleven guy can 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 stay in front of, and also if Isaiah tried to get past him, be able to deflect interrupt, disturb his shot, make Isaiah pass the rock, then you're doing your job. Um, and it's, it's hard to do. I mean, you're not doing it all the time. You, you know I mean, we see the things now, you know, LeBron, when, when Curry did it, did his little move the other day, which now everybody's saying is carrying, was carrying and all that other stuff. Everything in the NBA is carrying, so don't even try that now. But, right, um, you know, everybody has moments like that. I mean, Jordan got dunked on by John Starks. So, I mean, everybody is going to have those moments. The thing is, is that you will have more – if you're great, you're going to have more moments for you than against you. And I think that's that's where it lies. I mean, yes, it's good to have a discussion, but unless you're never going to have players be the same player. Jordan had to be Jordan because Jordan wasn't invented yet. If Jordan had been invented, he would not be able to be Jordan because it's, all the greatness – who who can you say identically? Yeah, these players are pretty much the same player. Nobody. Nobody, and that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about it, because greatness is defined by what people do and makes them great, which is not necessarily the same thing. So, uh, I just really think that, um, and just folks, to let you know we're not Facebook live right now. I think I, I had to do an update on the iPad, so we about to get back in in a second. But um, I just think that when you try to compare them, it's futile. I don't think you really – it can never be a fair comparison. It's going to come down to your bias, and everybody has different criteria. So when you have a different criteria of what you like and what you, what you hold in high regard, I mean, some people, and your, what you hold in high regard actually are things – that have nothing to do with, ba- with uh, I was about to say baseball because my head popped Barry Bonds when nobody the media doesn't like and they play a part of that like that has something to do with what he did in between the uh, foul lines, but it's it's the same thing is it's an actual sport so what did he do in that sport? Should Jordan get credit for being the greatness because he raised the awareness of the game? Well, he was only able to raise that from Magic and Larry and that whole '80s crew, which led him in, you know well late late 70s early 80s crew that led him in to the NBA being fantastic. So I just think it's it's impossible to determine the greatness. I mean, you could barely do the top 5 players at each position without any argument. <laughs> so,
1: I yeah. mean, t-
0: take the greatness for what it is and what it was and enjoy it. Um because the thing is that we, as, a, as if you're a true NBA fan, you really have to hold on to this series and seeing the greatness that you're seeing and hold on to it because you haven't had too many examples of that, at least in this playoffs. And we talked about how the playoffs have kind of rolled itself out. So I think you just really just have to enjoy this for what it is. you're <laughs> the NBA, you got to hope that either the Warriors stumble or the Cavs step up because a sweep is probably the worst thing for the NBA in this situation.
1: Right. And you already know. I've seen it. The the conspiracy theorists have start, oh, the Cavs going to win by 20 tomorrow because they can't let them sweep or they can't let this out. I'm like, man, please stop it. Because if that's the case, why didn't they do this in earlier rounds if it was just about Money and TV revenue and all this stuff, or extending games, uh, Golden State wouldn't have had a afford. Basically, wouldn't have ran rough shot through the whole Western Conference. Cleveland wouldn't have basically ran rough shot through the whole Eastern Conference if it was about that. So now, all of a sudden, here comes the 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 guys or the girls that have these questionable thoughts. I'm like, nah, just let it go. Enjoy the series. Watch the games and just hope for better games. Um. And But we just came into our first half hour of q and ai I'm going to go ahead and let Al go into the break. And uh, we're going to – I guess since we're talking about NBA, we can just stick here and talk, to, talk about the first two games, what we saw that we liked and what we saw that we didn't like. All
0: right. Well, we're going to hear from our sponsors and be right back. This half-hour sports Q and A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Sighting. Welcome back to Sports Q and A. It is eight thirty-six in the p.m. on Tuesday, June the sixth, two thousand seventeen make sure you give us a call, 760-539-3269. That is 760-539-3269. Well, we we just got off our point counterpoint and kind of transitioned into conversations about the NBA Finals. Um, We're in game, heading on game three on the eve of game three tomorrow with the Warriors with a 2-0 lead. Um, winning in commanding fashion. Um, What's your take from the first two games, uh, just overall, Q?
1: Two things, one for Golden State and then one for Cleveland. Golden State got the cheat code to the game. It's it's crazy how – I mean, we saw glimpses of it during the the earlier rounds in the playoffs, but a lot of us just figured, oh, just bad matchups, not enough talent from – This team, not enough talent from that team, seeing Kawhi go down to San Antonio, kind of change things. But to see what they're able to do now, it's like, dude, who do you stop? You have four guys in the starting lineup that can give you 30 at any moment. And it's just it's it's pick your poison, and it's a slow death with all four options. So it's, it's, it's crazy to see them finally clicking and Truthfully, they're all not clicking. Uh, Klay Thompson finally had a a decent game in game two. Draymond still has not had a good scoring game, but Steph and KD have been playing out of their minds. Um, On the flip side with Cleveland, and I'm going to say this, but it's not going to mean like what everybody else has been saying, even what LeBron has said. Cleveland needs some help, but the help is on the team. I'm not talking about go get this player in the off season. I'm not talking about that. Guys that are on that roster now need to step up. Whether it's Tristan Thompson, whether it's Jared Smith, whether it's Kyle Corver, Derek Williams, someone needs to step up and help. Shoot even Kyrie Irving, who had a you mentioned it earlier, a quiet nineteen points. He really didn't make the impact that he has and he's been off the last the first two games of the series. Someone on that team needs to have an efficient game. Tristan Thompson is getting paid all his money to do what? Nothing. Last last uh, finals, he was an impact. Maybe it's the Kardashian curse. Maybe it's a little B in his curse. I don't know what it is, but they have not been able to get anything out of anybody besides Kevin Love and LeBron James. And, like I said, everybody is now trying to talk this uh, not LeBron going to ask for more help in the off season. No, him, I mean, you still can maybe shuffle the deck with a couple of the bench players, bring this guy, get rid of Dante Jones for maybe somebody that's a step uh, CJ, uh, uh, dude from, uh, I cannot think his name, from Indiana, somebody like that, but that's not the major. I'm not talking about everybody's mentioning Melo, Paul George. No, that's not going to work. Just have these guys that are getting paid all this money play and I think that'll help. that'll help because when you look at the two teams Golden State's component parts and you said this last week and I didn't want to listen and, and it's biting me in my butt now and I've been thinking about it since game two I kept hearing your voice and I'm like damn it he was right. Davy West Sean Livingston uh, Patrick McCall all these guys have done their jobs and I'm like damn it why couldn't? Why can't Cleveland players do their jobs? It's not we're not expecting these guys to give them fifteen points. I'm talking about hit up. When you get an open jumper, you gotta hit it. When you get an opportunity to get a rebound, you gotta grab it. When you get a chance to take a charge, you better take it. Golden State players are, Cleveland's not, and that's what the series is about.
0: Um, it's funny. That you mentioned that, but, yeah. But that's the thing is, just do your job. But here's my question: All things even, both teams doing their job at, at maximum potential, like the best game that they could play. I think Golden State still comes up on top because of the thing that people have kind of been a flaw, uh, flossing over all season long is Cleveland's defense. They said, oh, well, we reshuffle things and all those things and all these things. And they never would really test it. I think the biggest test into the finals that they got was against the Pacers. Where the Pacers tricked off two games in that series. You can't become a you just can't turn a switch on on and off for a, a to be a good defensive team. Either you are or you aren't. They're, they have a great defensive player in LeBron James, but you have a liability at your point guard with Kyrie. You have a liability at Kevin Love at defensively overall. So the thing is, is that playing at their best, I think that both teams, that, that Golden State is a little bit better because, like you said, you have that four headed monster that you do not know what to do. So, Going into this new the game three, does the Cavalier do the Cavalier go in and say yes, we need to make a conscious effort to stop KD, or are we going to go back like we did last year in playoff and try to and make a conscious effort to stop Curry? But you still have other players who have not even played a Clay Thompson, average at best. Wait, he can be average at best when you got. Two guys averaging 30 points. Yep. And that's the thing is that KD, can, KD is hungrier than anybody in this finals. Anybody. Yeah, you? Do you think he's hungrier than Kyle Corbin, who this is first finals? That's, that's what I'm saying. He's the hungriest guy, and I don't think people are really paying that much attention to it. He got embarrassed by LeBron. He, he knows what it feels to be like on the other side. He has this opportunity to go forward and to take a bigger step forward in what his legacy will be. Because it's not like he's on the team. See, this is the thing that people thought was going to happen when he came to Golden State. He was going to go there. He was going to rest on his laurels. He was going to get a, cha- a cheap championship. This championship, if they win this championship in Golden State, is on his back. If you if you gave the size of the rings based on the input they he had, he would have had a big a ring as big as a basketball right now. Right. And that's the thing that people fail to realize is that KD is a flat out score. KD is a matchup nightmare. KD defensively has gotten a lot better, and that's the one thing that people always think was a liability with him. But some of the blocks that he that he's done, and some of the recognition of things that he's done within the game. Has shown that he is hungry, and yeah, you can knock him all day long for going to a team that that put him out the playoffs, but he didn't go to the team that went off the playoffs. He's the best player on the team that put him out the playoffs last year, hands down.
1: Man, and that's the and I've seen the the mem out there circulating the internet. Where was this Kevin Durant last year? And it's frustrating, and I think, and you may think different, but there's some people already out there saying that as far as his legacy, there's going to be an asterisk because of how he did it. And I think he's going to have to win either multiple titles. I'm putting that three in Golden State if they win this one. So two more in Golden State, or... Another one somewhere else where he's the, the focal point for people to say, okay, you know, we respect KD. This is a guy that, I mean, call it what you want, and I, I, I'll admit I am a KD antagonist. This was a dude that just hopped on the, the hot team and rolled away to the championship because I still think you take KD off this team, this is a a one one series, but it's still a competitive series with Golden State. You just maybe have to have Draymond have to may have had to step up and score instead of being okay with Draymond scoring twelve, he may have had to give you nineteen instead of Clay being okay with fifteen eighteen, he may have had to score twenty three. But those that still makes this a competitive game, and it's just I like, do where was like I said earlier where was this last year when you guys were one game away
0: well, I mean From I, can me. that. I can answer that question for you though. Because it, it even even in OKC he did not have the ability to have this KD because they were able to focus on him and he had to be the all everything in conjunction with Russell Westbrook because the the support staff was lackluster. So in this situation where he does not have to be the focal point, but he can be the focal point, which is different in OKC, okay, where it had to be both of them doing what he and Curry are doing right now, day in, day out, to be able to beat Golden State. Here he does not so have
1: essentially, to. In
0: my opinion, so essentially
1: he has to take on – he's taking on – it's, it, well, he was in Oklahoma City. He's what Kevin Love and LeBron are face, are dealing with right now in this final. Right! <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> you know yes! And that's the thing is that he has the ability where he, when you don't have to be that man that, that averaging that triple-double like I said LeBron had to do last year in the in, in championship to be able to win the championship. When you don't have to have that pressure on that then you can free flow, be able to free flow going back and forth. Because the thing is, is that if they are putting extra pressure on me, then I could become a different type of player. Well, in OKC, they were putting double teams on me, and I still had to score. So what did I do? I start forcing. I start fumbling. I start doing things that were, were not, bene, uh, not a benefit to us winning. And that's where he ended up being. And it, And as the pressure mounted, he knew everything in order to win it had to go through them. And the thing is they were playing off that emotion and at the end of the day, they had to get it done and they couldn't. That to me also adds to his motivating force of how he's playing now. Because he has to play that way. He wants to shake that reputation of what he did last year. Because in all opinion, until that point, he was having a dominant. His regular dominant years, his regular dominant KD. But once again, you run against the juggernaut that was and is still now the Golden State Warriors. Then you get what you get. You have to pay a perfect series. I, anybody other than Golden State has to play a perfect series to be how they are now. Now, here's the one thing I want to I want to bring up right now. So during the season and in off season. When Cleveland was making all these tweaks, getting uh, getting Darren Williams, getting Kyle Korver, getting all these pieces, and everybody was complaining about LeBron trying to stack his team and doing all those things, LeBron knew what he was doing. He knew that them winning last year was probably worse for Cleveland than them losing because now, Golden State has a chip on their shoulder. They're more motiva- motivated. They do you think if Golden State would have won, that Katie, I mean, that they that Katie would have been going there? I mean, do you think that? I don't know. Nah, nah, that's, I doubt that, that. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So all of these things tied into one because now it's like you know what, LeBron Le- Le- beat your butt. He beat us in record fashion, coming back from three-one. You know what? Let's go do this thing. And now you change that. You change that that mindset. And now it's like you going to the park with you and two of your boys, and you are coming up and say, "Yeah, we got next." It's just us three, and you got to pick up two guys from over there, and you playing against a team that's been playing and winning all day long. And these guys have been doing this every day all summer long, and you about to come in. Hey, let's go ahead and do this. I mean, it's kind of like that mentality of, like, what else can you do? You can't add – you're not adding players at this time. Who who are you expecting to get more for? Last year they had to depend on J.R. Smith, and he came through. You really think they're depending on J.R. Smith to do what he did last year? I don't think that's possible now. And if you are, you are not banking on it. If you're banking on that as, from the Cavaliers, then – you just trying to luck up and win.
1: <laughs>
0: so here's my, here's my real question. What do you think the Cavs' point of emphasis will be going into game three? Because in game two, they came in getting love active. LeBron was a distributor. LeBron was driving to the hole more early on. Punched him in the face. And, LeBron, and and then Golden State woke up, got back in the game. It was a good game. Before. What what do they need to do, if anything, or what can they do? Because here's the thing. I'm going to be 100% honest. Game two, I was watching game two. Then I went to go put my son to bed. Then, matter of fact, the game was on. It was a good game. I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch this game. Fell asleep. I woke up when it was like eight minutes left or six minutes left right before Golden State went on that 10-0 run. I didn't know what happened in the middle of the game until after I kind of saw the highlights and saw what it was, but it was a typical kind of ebb and flow game, like you punch cu- punch, counter punch. and now at the end, we ain't got enough in the gas. It's like you got to do so much. It feels like, and I'm going to be quiet and let you answer. I'm just talking. It feels like the Cavs are playing from behind, from the beginning of the game, and no matter what they do, they exerting so much energy to get by, get forward or get close that when it comes down to clutch time to 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 what to be able to push through the finish line, they don't have enough left. So what what is yeah. do? You you Ty, you're ty- Lue, what what are you doing? What adjustments are you doing? Are you putting somebody in the starting lineup, taking somebody out? Are you what, what's what's your game plan?
1: You have to pick let one of them two the dynamic duo right now between Steph and K D get theirs and stop everybody else. If that means and, and truthfully, I'd rather let K D get his and and find ways of stopping everybody else. 'Cause K D gonna get his. So it's it's futile to try to stop him, whereas you may be able to kinda We've seen moments where Steph has kind of been flustered over the last two finals where he might go into a funk or he may not hit shots. Whereas um and you just got to focus, you got to play 5 on 4. Just I mean without being too not without giving in too much as far as open layups and all that stuff, but you I mean, you just got to you got to let somebody else you got to force everybody else on that story. Whoever whoever's on the court with him, beat him. Now, as far as offensively, they got to get back to going to the hole. That's what got them that lead to start the part, uh, the beginning stages of game two. They were aggressive. LeBron was going to the hole, and this is even from game one. He went to the, I think to the foul line ten times, 10, 12 times in the first court, first half in game one. Second half, I think he only had two or three free throws. That was unacceptable. And that's where I can see when people say, oh, LeBron isn't aggressive enough. He's – I think he's also exerting so much energy on both sides of the court. He was tired. But you have to find some way, whether it's Kyrie, the combination of him and Kyrie being more aggressive. Because I still don't think when it comes down to it, Steph can check Kyrie one-on-one. And that's where – him going to the hole, him being aggressive will force somebody else to help. And that's why I go back to saying that that phrase I said earlier, do your job. If that means if Kyle Corbett is in the game, you got to hit that open jumper. If that means Jarrett Smith is in the game, you either got to hit that open jumper or go to the hole and get fouled. But you can't have Kyrie get past that had to help d come and you shoot up some crap middle league, uh, uh, middle middle school basketball and you this is your first time getting in the game. you can't have that he has to be able to be content- uh counted on he uh Darren woods has to be able to be counted on some of these other guys have to be able to be counted on, and that's where the issue is yeah
0: um and that's the thing is I watch. Cav play maybe five, six games this season. I mean, playing against a lot of times against inferior competition, it's easy for you to win not being at full throttle. Uh, I've seen Golden State play probably about the same amount of times. To me, it seems like they play the same style, win or lose, in Golden State while. In Cleveland, they, they sometimes they play, you know, a certain way. Sometimes they shoot ridiculous threes. It, to me, it's a different type of field. Like, it's easy to say just drive to the hole and go ahead and do that, but how disciplined are they going to be able to do that? How, who's going to not get into the flow of the game with them constantly penetrating? I think them penetrating – and dishing out, if you score early and able to do that, and then you can score out, that's how you can get cover in the game. That's how you can get J.R. Smith in the game. But you have to have that discipline to be able to do it. Defensively, I mean if you had your pick of who you would have beat you, I would say, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Curry beat me. Because he's gonna regardless of what's going on in the game, Curry is still gonna be out there shooting his threes. He's still gonna do that. I'm going to force him. And people don't want to realize, yeah, eight turnovers. So if we can capitalize and make him have an equal amount bad game offensively as far as turning the rock over, then we can do some things that we weren't able to do before. So I think having a game plan where you – I ain't going to say limit, maybe try to control or force him towards it, maybe even playing a a bigger front line – or maybe going smaller and slender, but once again, you have to deny him the post um, because I think he's your biggest low post threat that, that uh, Golden State has. Um, uh, so it's, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely not it's definitely not uh, checkers. It's closer to chess in, in them figuring out how to how to uh, how to stop them. I think they can play it. But I think right now uh, the best is playing in Cleveland and having their fans behind them. But Cleveland gets down, their fans get down too. Yes, you won the championship last year, but yes, you're still Cleveland. So, yes, that disappointment and that doubt creeps back in in all those other years outside of last year of you all trying to get to that championship level. Is going to come into your head and your mindset. You still have LeBron. You still have Kyrie, which I think Kyrie is probably going to bounce back and probably had his best game of the series in this in this game. But can you depend on Kevin Love to have that type of dominant game that he had in Game Two? And even with Kyrie increasing his input, I think it's about the efficiency of that input because he's getting his points, but he's not getting his points in a fashion that has a higher shooting percentage that allows you to be able to have, uh, to control the ebbs and flow of the game and increase your possessions. You know, taking bad shots and the forces. I mean, somebody said it. I can't remember what who I was listening to, but they were saying Golden State goes down there and gets uh, two, knocks down two threes in a row, and what happens? Kyrie goes up, and he's going to fire up a 23-footer. If he makes it, it's all good. If he misses, now you open up the floodgates. Now we're on a 9 run. That's 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 how Golden State. Golden State is not that super pressure blob. Uh, go balls to the wall every time. They take advantage of these opportunities and they knock down big shots. You know, the end of the game, all the buckets count. So those nine zero runs or that that, that ten zero run that, that happened in the third quarter or in the first quarter plays a part at the end of the game. It plays a part in how how the other team approaches it. So. I think it's going to be difficult. I think that Cleveland needs to basically uh, be the aggressor in all aspects of the game, whether it's me finding uh, some player to come in and be an enforcer type down low and say, hey, we're going to earn our six today. Don't get it flagrant, but don't let nothing come easy. I don't care who's coming to the hole. I think you need to kind of set the tone that this this is a street battle. Now, Golden State has been aggressor too, so that may not work, but I think you need to employ some type of something that Golden State is going to take at least a half of the game to adjust to. But it has to be effective. Uh, Cleveland is a good team. It's one of the top two teams in the league. The thing is is that I'm not sure how they can adjust and change their games. I mean, LeBron averaging what he did. I mean, I think the <laughs> The only way they can do it is LeBron maybe have half the assist that he has or at least half the pass assist options that he's given out and take those shots himself. Because who, at this point in time, who is LeBron, who is his go-to in his mind on his team? Kevin Love. And that's not a good place to be. Kevin Love is fine. Not knocking Kevin Love at all. But that's not a good place to be Is that's your go-to man because LeBron driving and dishing to Kevin Love on the wing, how confident are you as a Cleveland fan? You need to be out of confidence. Nah. You need, if I'm Cleveland all day and I'm a teammate, I'm sending Kyrie video clips from last year's game, from game seven. He'll make big shots all those things that we're doing, I'm doing that to get in his mind that you can be this dominant again. Again, I think being in the East has really uh, been a disadvantage for for the Cavs um, because they didn't get any real competition. They lost to Boston, but they didn't take that game seriously. It was whatever. Isaiah wasn't playing. Ah, we about to walk over this. Oh, they lucked up. They did. Everything they did come beat us, barely beat us. All right, let's go ahead and take them to the shed. Well, that Mm -hmm. shed is not existent right now in this series. So the question is, is how are they going to go for and adjust and do that? This is where coaching is going to come into play. (laughs) Hell, Steve Kerr came back. He could have stayed at home. Right. He could have stayed at home because now you had two coaches, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Mike Brown is going to be a head coach in the NBA next year just based on his ability to manage the stars that he has. Hell, Lou Warden got a job from that. So you have the ability to have these two coaches. And, again, I said it last week that Mike Brown – well, I'm, I might be replacing Mike Brown Mike, – I think Mike Brown is hungrier than than KD – to get this ship, especially against Cleveland, it's a real close. It's a sliver, but Mike Brown has that motivation. And let them win in Game Three, or let them clinch in Cleveland. You may have some sound bites to end all sound bites for Mike Brown, but Mike Brown is probably going to take the high road because that's the type of guy he appears to be. But he, it would be nothing sweeter for him to clinch in Cleveland For the team from the team. That he took to the playoffs, the team, that they dismissed him twice. It would be nothing sweeter.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: But like it, like I said, it's the player again, the player I thought was gonna be the go to has been average at best, which was Dang on Clay Thompson. So just let don't let Clay get warm and just have a good game. Twenty five game. Because once again, we said I said this last week and said it again, who's going to match and punch for punch? Culver's going to have to have, have to have a great game. Love, Kyrie, and LeBron all are going, so they're going to have to shoot 55 to 60% as a team and get good shots, get inside, get people in foul trouble in order for them to get into the flow. It's just hard to imagine just to see how these games have, gone, have come gone because. It just seems like Golden State is not panicking no matter what Cleveland is doing. And I think it's based upon what happened last year. Of them relaxing too much, taking things for granted. And a lot of times, failure is your greatest motivation. And it seems to be the motivating force within the locker room of the Warriors. So, with that. Game three is up in the air. I still, I'm still, i still keeping with what I said. I said Golden State is six. I hear a whole lot of people who's, who picked Golden State in and, and five or six now going to Golden State in, in the sweep. Uh, I think the LeBron factor will get Cleveland to win. Again, I thought the Cleveland was going to win game two, just based on how game one was and based on how important it was. But once again, they – oh, good. They uh, can go ahead and – and win it. But they need to win game three. Because it's going to be a whole a whole lot of uh, – it, it's going to spin out of control and it's going to get ugly in Cleveland. I can see Cleveland getting swept, Cleveland doing the classic, and it is classic. Don't act like it was just started with the Pistons and the Bulls, uh, teams walking off the court, not giving the high five, whatever the case. It's going to be classic. And then more – the negative pub is going to come to LeBron. I mean, at the end of the day, and nobody ever wants to admit this, if a team is better than another team and they beat them, nobody gives credit to the team that lost and say, you know what, they were just better. But there are teams that are better. And at this point, Golden State has proven, in the first two games, that they're a better team. They look better. Aww. They react better. Uh, they seem Better prepared. And once again, they've done it with two different coaches. Maybe they can let another assistant coach and then become the first team in <laughs> NBA history to have three different head coaches win games. I'm just saying. I'm just that playing. So I, really be a I really want it to be a better series. I really want them to go ahead and uh, rebound and, and play. Uh, but once again, we can't control that. Uh, but it will be bad for the NBA. <clears throat> good for for the bandwagon fans, good for the LeBron haters, but it'll be bad for the NBA. And again, the NBA really can't afford for that to occur. Uh for their product to seem lackluster. But so Q you still sticking with your your pick or you, you can backtrack if you want to.
1: No, I'm still sticking with it. Hey, I'm not going nowhere. Win, lose, or draw it is what it is. And it was
0: Cleveland there how many?
1: I said seven.
0: Okay. All right. So he said, look, you got, you, I mean, hey, they came back from 3 1 last year, so I don't have an issue. But, you know, I like Q sticks to his guns. That's, that's the, that's, uh, that's admirable. Uh, and it's, you know, and I'm not one of them people that's, first of all, we had no skin in this game. Y'all know this. But I'm not one of those people either that's going to jump on a bandwagon because I don't, I think that the way that these first two games are gone and not how the rest of the series is going to go. But they'll figure out a way. But we have creeped over into that nine o'clock hour. So we are going to go and hear from our sponsors. And after that, we're going to talk about some local aspect on national level with what's going on in East Lansing. We'll be right back after this break. This half hour of sports QA has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Sighting. Alright. Welcome back to Sports QA. It is nine oh nine in the PM on Tuesday, June the sixth, twenty seventeen. Uh, give us a call, 760-539-3269, 760-539-3269. We're also on Facebook Live, on our Facebook uh, Live account, low L-O-W-E, the letter N, Washington. If you're friends with Q&I on Facebook, we're tagged in there so you can watch live. We would love some interaction uh, that we have with you all through conversations, through your comments. So uh, with that, we're going to go and jump into very controversial um, subject, and it's not even just with the football team, it's with the athletic department altogether. Uh, if you did not hear today, um, three MSU players uh, were charged with uh, sexual assault, uh, one with two counts. Uh, uh, first in the third, and then the other two with third. Uh, and also, they were dismissed from the team. Um, uh, we uh, and also they have dismissed uh, uh Curtis Blackwell, uh, who was in the recruiting department, actually responsible for. Player culture and responsibility and things of that nature, um, but this situation is kind of uh, difficult dealing coming off the heels of the gymnastics scandal that is still ongoing uh, for Michigan State and investigations almost six months long, uh, which. Is a very long and very thorough investigation. I mean, the facts that we have is that um, there is a video uh, involved. There are uh, witnesses, other witnesses, and there's a laundry list of aspects that can go on. I mean, this is a very serious matter for all parties involved, including the victims, the players, uh, whereas uh what the player uh sorry, excuse me. Uh with the two charges, uh Josh Josh King uh could be facing life in prison uh if found guilty. Once again these players are innocent until found guilty. Is the Detroit connection uh with two players being from Detroit one from king one from Cass. and and here's the, the one thing that we have to deal with this in two in two segments. I think we have to deal with this in the human capital aspect and the overall situation and then we can deal with it from from a sports aspect and impact. So from a human capital aspect from a a I can't say PR just from an overall standpoint uh Where does this put the image? How does this, how does MSU bounce back for that? I think I put it from that portion because once again, these situations are individual; they'll be dealt with. But I, can't, I I almost struggle with having the conversation of how to deal with this when it's human capital that's involved in this on both sides. And again, it's accusations; they've been charged with this. So they'll go through the court, they'll go through the process, uh, but there, there's a lot of things that have been go, <clears throat> that that have gone on in this. And once again, this is a national story. This this um, this has been going on for a while, for six weeks. We've heard about it. There've been rumors. If you know, uh, Q and I follow a lot of different uh, sites that have speculated about who the players were and all these other things. But now as we get to this point, like, Q, what are your, your thoughts on it? I mean, this is the day that, based on the intrigue and all of the, the lead up to we're here, how, 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 I can't even say how you're thinking. I mean, it's very difficult for this. And I, I'm going to just say this. It's difficult for me to talk about these things, not because of the personal aspect, not because I've met the two guys from Detroit, personally, and I covered it. Or Donnie went to King. Uh, I think it's the pa- the fact of it's So many moving pieces, and so many lives are impacted by this. It supersedes football. It supersedes the
1: sport. Um, oh yeah, definitely. You- I think that's the first thing yeah. that you really have to kind of dissect and understand. This football is the secondary. Football isn't even on the radar when it comes to this, because these three young men, and maybe even include, well, not maybe, but also included that young lady. Their lives have changed, forever changed because of this action, because of this incident, because of what happened that night. Now, we're. I've heard speculation. I've seen the reports um, about the videotape There was, uh, was being said is Josh King um, pulled the young lady into a room and was forced himself upon her, then invited um, Dimitri Vance and Donnie Corley to partake as well. Upon that action being upon those, them two guys being involved, video was made, um, some other unfortunate circumstances took place, and that's where we are now. Now, I don't know how true this is, also what kind of made it murky and suspicious is when initially questioned, the players denied having any sexual contact with the young lady. It was later found out that that was false, and then the guys changed their stories. So that's where you like, okay, why lie? Or why put yourself in that position where you know it's, it's a chance that things can be found out? Now you're looking even more guilty even if you did nothing wrong. So I mean it's it's just so unfortunate and it's it's just one of those things where you look at your their parents, you look at their high school coaches, you look at even Coach D'Antonio and the Michigan State staff, like, but why? This is not this is not what they recruited these guys to Michigan State to do. This isn't what their parents sent them off to college to do, and and it's just unfortunate. And as we've been making a a significant point to do, this has nothing to to do with football. It has nothing to do with the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. It has nothing to do with the upcoming year. And I have yet to see it, but any Michigan fan that's reveling in this, you're a piece of crap for that because this isn't, the moment this isn't the time to do this because as i said earlier these young men's lives are put on a whole different trajectory plane now because of this and we've seen too many situations where young men have ruined their lives over momentary indiscretions and, and it needs to stop and especially when it comes to the consent of women and, and it's it's crazy that um one of my favorite shows. I uh, don't watched the Carmichaels. They just recently did an episode about this, where a guy was asking, like, okay, what is the level of consent? Should you have a yes from a woman, a specific yes from a woman to proceed? And the joke was, okay, no, if she's there, if it, it I mean, the 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 cool. If she's there and we're engaged, it should be okay. But no, we're in a stage of America. We're in a stage of society where you need to hear that yes. And if that means because she's incoherent or she's uh, not completely at her wits because she's been drinking or any of that, you do not proceed. If she says no, you leave. You walk away. If she says even in mid-act, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing this, you walk the hell away. Because anything beyond that, anything that takes place after that moment with that young lady can screw your life up. Even if she said, oh, she she was there and it was consensual and she said stop and I was in there, nope, I don't care. And with me having a son, we're going to have that talk when it comes time to it. Because I don't, you don't, mm this is to protect you. I don't care about your ego. I don't care about your reputation. I don't care what she says. You protect yourself, and you get out of stupid situations like this. And these boys did not do that. Josh King was dumb for, for his involvement. Vance and Corley were even more dumb for even going in there. Hey, what did y'all think was going to happen if the... Just short of that girl inviting you in there herself, that was bad for business. And that's why I, I, I'm baffled at what they're thinking. Like, she didn't invite y'all in, so why did y'all go in? Even if nothing else happens, that's a that's an uncomfortable situation as it is. Y'all walking in, they, who wants to watch their boy have sex or have a sexual act? So why did you go in there? But... This a whole new generation. Everything is captured. Everything is dust. And it's just it's just unbelievable. And not, like I've been saying, now these lives have been altered significantly over a, a, a 10, 15-minute indiscretion. Yes,
0: yeah, so I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Too. So to what extent, and in, in you're high profile on a college campus if you play any sport. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're a scholarship athlete, um, to what extent should players go to protect themselves? I mean, do you? I mean, and granted, this was a, a skit from a Chappelle show, but do you need to have them sign a consent form? I mean, to what extent do you do you do this? Because if you it can happen in a regular situation, it can happen with girlfriend, it can happen in any type of situation. This wasn't one of those situations, but it's a situation where, hey, where I was they were game and she wasn't, and this, that, where it becomes hearsay and you have to prove it. Um and the court of public opinion, because it's happened so long, and I think this is also a negative aspect in the long investigation is that a lot of people are automatically writing them off as being guilty. And once again, nothing has been released regarding the victim, the race, the age, anything, whether it's a student, or what, nothing has been released. But in East Lansing, I'm sure that everybody knows who she is, especially if she's a student. So it it can play a big part in getting and once again I'm not taking sides, I'm just looking at all aspects of getting a fair trial, of her potentially having to transfer to schools because of the reputation and because of the idiocy of fans uh, possibly going after her, which it had in different situations in different pro different programs of them attacking or intimidating the victim. To retract their statement or to push further away, you know, to me, I want justice to prevail across the board. I don't want it to be anything where it's murky. If they're guilty, they're guilty and they need to do the crime, uh, the time for the crime. If they're not, they should be exonerated. But the thing, and here's here's the thing Does the fact that Michigan State had dismissed them from the team add to the fact of them thinking, Michigan State, thinking that they're guilty, or is that kind of a culture thing? Because they've had other uh, players that were guilty. I mean, it's not like these guys have been guilty numerous times and this is second, third chance. These guys were were only freshmen on on the team. So – how, how do you read that from Michigan State? Is was it a PR decision, or is it the fact that hey, it looks like these guys are guilty because there's no due process in that because they ain't been found I guilty. think it's so, a
1: little I, of both. It has mm-hmm. to be a little of both, and these guys just happen to be the ones to get to get pushed on the sword, the sacrificial lambs, because we've seen it before with players like Glenn Winston and other guys that have had their run ins with breaking the law or doing things that were in that that realm, and they were allowed to remain on the team. They were even brought, I mean, they were allowed to remain on the team through the process and even brought back to the team after the process. So for these guys to kind of be pushed out there and say, nah, we don't even care what the outcome of the the case is. We're done with you. It's It's a scramble mold for the for the program, because of what's happening with the the, the gymnastics program, because of what happened with the, these numerous other guys. Um, there was another guy earlier this year that was kicked off the team because of a, a sexual assault. You have another guy spit at a cop, another guy deal with some other issues. There's some, they have to, I think State is in that position where they're not, they don't even have the leeway to Give guys benefit of the doubt, and we talked about this on off air before the show. Um, they still have guys that are still on the team that are. I'm not sure if it's, this is the right term that D'Antonio used, but red, red, uh, they're under red suspension, where they're still on the team, but they're they're pending some more information coming out. So it's like, dude, what is going on up there that all this stuff is crumbling and falling apart? And Jamil Hill said something that kinda of surprised me considering how big of a slappy she is with Michigan State, how big of a supporter she is for both the basketball and the um football program. She essentially tweeted out today I would rather have team I'd rather have my team go one and ten with a bunch of good guys than have my team go ten and one with a bunch of knuckleheads. And mm-hmm. she caught some flack for saying that, but is that's the thing that maybe state is trying to get to the point of? Oh, we got to clean our house, and and this is what happens when you taste that success, and you get guys. And I called this a couple of years ago, but I didn't see it off the field. I saw more on the field. You have when you attract those four star, those four those high four star, maybe even five star talent. You get a different type of player you get a player that comes in a little bit more entitled, comes in with a more of an established celebrity status because he was the guy in high school. He was the man in high school. He was the man in his city or his region. So he thinks he's, he can get away with some things mm-hmm. that he may not have a, a two-star recruit that is happy to be on the program, hungry to be on the program, may not even risk because he knows, man, I can't risk my spot. I, Man, they offered me a scholarship in the 5th and the, tw- in the 11th hour. I can't risk giving this up because I don't have nowhere else to go, so I'm going to do what um, happens. And even going back to, uh, shoot, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Keith Mumphrey, that was already in the NFL, was trying to go back to state to get his master's degree, got caught up in the situation, and they kicked him off of the campus. I mean, how do you get kicked out of school as a graduate student? Which led yeah. to him being released by the Houston Texans.
0: That's, I mean, but that's, that right there, you getting caught up in the college mentality because you think you're not that far removed from that. And that's, the, I mean, sadly, it's kind of like that football mentality, the, the stereotypical football mentality of being above the law and running the campus, and this and that. It's kind of, you know, there's no separation because you come back and you're where they want to be. You become part of that again. And you okay. become a part of the situation and back into the fold, so to speak, of how things go as being a student athlete and getting those perks and
1: having the parents pin- their- athletic privilege. Because depending on how old you are, you still might, like if I'm only two or three years removed, oh, I still know some people on the campus. I I still know some people on the yard, so I might I can flex my, oh, I'm an NFL player muscle now and get even more attention because this is a double, a daily double. Not only am I a former collegiate star back on campus, now I'm an NFL player. So the attention is twofold. They were loving me as an as an MSU player. Now they now I got some more groups, because so I got some more attention because I'm a Houston Texan. And it's like, dude, hey, but this goes back to the the whole mindset I've always had. Athletes have the game backwards. These guys, and you can look at it whether it's Tristan Thompson in the Kourt Kardashian situation, uh, these guys hopping between chicks. I might do if I'm an athlete, I'm gonna be the biggest jerk there is because you're gonna have to jump through so many hoops and rings to get next to me, you're gonna be tired of me because I realize I'm the prize in this situation, not you. If I tell you you come through and you doing the Jerry, the Derek Jeter leaving the phone at the door, that's what you're gonna do because I can find another big booty chick. You can't find, you might not be able to find another top flight athlete that's willing to deal with you. So, mm-hmm. but some of these guys are so used to, they're socially awkward, they're not really used to having legitimate adult conversation with women. They think, oh, because I walk in with my shirt off on in the beater, people just going, you have females that just flock to them, so they don't have to engage in meaningful conversation. They don't have to engage in substantial conversation, which leads to them, oh, you wanted me because you was all, no, I just smiled and took a picture with you. That don't mean I wanted to have sex with you or I didn't- I wanted to be verbally accosted um, looking at Grant Perry up in Michigan. It's like, dude, just because you're an athlete does not give you carte blanche to be an idiot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Frankenstein aspect. You create the monster, or you create the environment for the monster, and you have to deal with the end result of that, and a lot of that is uncontrollable. A lot of that is not having, like you said, the common sense of knowing how, what proper interaction is, Um I think that's a key point that people understand. I mean, all honestly, I've seen I've seen with athletes who are not necessarily good athletes, but because they're athletes, they think that they have this certain this certain aspect uh, that they have to approach um, people with. It's like a bravado that they have to bring to the table that. To me, it isn't necessary for them to be just, um in any facet. But that's kind of where it is. And how does it stop? I mean, when when middle school students are getting offers for colleges, offer letters, mm-hmm. how, 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 where where does this stop? How does this how does it, how
1: does
0: it stop? I mean, <clears throat> I'm not. Gonna it boils do it.
1: down to. The the parents, the coaches, the people in their these kids circles, have to humble them. That okay? FAU offers you a scholarship. Well, you see how trash FAU is. That's what the only you want that to be only, a uh, collegiate offer. Okay, be happy about it. Call me when you get Alabama. Call me when you get Michigan. Call me even when you get Florida State. And I think you have to sometimes be that jerk. To humble these kids, oh, that don't mean nothing. That's one yeah. scholarship offer I know. Kids, such a such down your street got three. So what you gonna do? Right. Those I mean, are the I, moments that keep. I'm
0: laughing because I got this conversation with one of the student athletes, uh, In my school today, and <clears throat> we, I, we, I was jokingly talking about how he played last season, and he was talking about what he was going to do this season, and. The coach, which is the new coaching staff, asking, "Well, how many offers do you have?" And he was saying, "Well, they're after me, blah 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 blah." And he was like, "Who?" And he was like, "Yeah, well, I've heard, I've talked to some coaches, and I got some." And I'm like, "There's no such thing as hitting offers. Either coaches going to want you, or they're not. Either they're going to be cordial and 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 offer you, or they're going to be nice and not tell you the real deal. There's no in between. I mean, a letter from a college, uh, from a college." Early on means nothing. That means like, okay, we see you play here. We're sending this out for some fillers uh, and kind of see how this how this bounces back. So, in it's, it's, it's this, I think the biggest thing is just being real, realistic with how what everything is. I mean, and it's it's a it's a systemic issue. It's a when it comes to the overall weight uh, and uh, and, uh, the importance that athletics has. I mean, once again, you're talking to two people that played sports. Um, So we understand it. We get it. But also, we weren't those star athletes, where we weren't privileged privileged to all these other things. So we had balance. I'm sure Q did other things other than sports. I was in Choir, I was in orchestra, I was in student government. I had other things going on other than that. I love playing sports, um, but it wasn't my bread and butter. That wasn't the reason why I came to school. And it may be an aspect with certain people where sports is the only reason why people come to school, that that plays a part. Sadly, I've seen that. In the high school level, mm-hmm. and teams that are 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 trending upwards, and in one instance was uh, not a good aspect, and that's all the people did. They came to school for that. And literally after the season's over with, they left, didn't come back. So, I mean, it's not going to be solved now, but the thing is that that plays a part into it. And the thing is we're not not, uh, painting these athletes in this situation into that box, but that plays a part because I can speak at least to the perception and what type of character personally that one of these student-athletes has put forward and painted over a two-year window, three-year window, this was not the character. This was not the character that that person displayed, and I'm talking about Donnie. Um, so once again... I always use myself as the default in the situation of how I look at things. In all honesty, I played football. I was a better football than I thought. I didn't have a love of, fo- of football. Part of me not having a love of football, be honest, and granted I played it on, at a great football school, is that the mentality of some of the people that I played with did not align with my personal mentality. So I wasn't drawn closer to that. But once again, everybody had their different reasons. To play football, everybody had their different reasons to stay in football, so um, that's why I kind of took a step back where well, baseball was my thing, and I was able to do my thing and feel comfortable in my shoes. Whereas, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily that comfortable, and I wasn't great, I was good, I was all right, but. I just didn't feel comfortable in those shoes, and i'm I was cool with that at, at once again i did I wasn't as introspective at the age of sixteen or seventeen to really say, Hey, well, this is the reason why it just didn't it just didn't you know I just felt some kind of way in that scenario so um you know it can't change you being around being around Marcellus, sorry, you need to contact me. I talked to your brother. You need to contact me regarding this soundboard. doing the, the board for the show. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a mentality. He popped up on Facebook Live and I need to make sure that he knows we want to do that. Um, it's just a mentality. Like I think things have to align and sometimes people force themselves a, 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 a square into a round hole and they make themselves fit into that scenario where they're not. I see it. And once again, it's a lot of things that play a part of it. it. It can be ego. It can be pride. It can be a new sense of popularity and not knowing how to handle that. So you kind of try to fit in to not stand out. You got to be an individual uh-huh. you stand for so you won't fall for everything. And that's kind of how, how it is. So let's kind of transition because we'll end up talking on this, and I have really kind of restrained myself in getting on from getting on my soapbox and really talking about the issues that I have with this, but let's look at this from a university point of view, from an athletic department point of view. You have probably had at least the worst year out of, I would say that they have a worse year than Baylor. uh, Uh um, Of any athletic program in there, how do you control this spin? There are no more scapegoats to, to deal with. So now you have coaches who run the programs, who are responsible for the program, you have athletic director who's responsible for all of the programs. How do you control this? How do you change
1: this? Who says? I mean, you gotta have uh, the, the board of regents, the board of directors has to be. I, I guarantee that their eye is even more closely positioned on this program because, uh, yeah, Dantonio has taking this team to heights that it's never seen before, but you also have to say, this may be lows that this program has never seen before. What's more important? Do uh, What supersedes the other? Can you, oh, them going to a Rose Bowl, winning the Rose Bowl, winning two Big Ten championships, and, and becoming a... elevating itself to the conversation of being on the national stage, or you being a team that now has the attention of the national states because you've had so many issues. And, I mean, I don't know. I can't say it's, it may be true for a state, but you have some athletic departments out there that will be arrogant in this situation and feel, oh, yes, yeah, thank you, D'Antonio, but we're confident enough that Michigan State is enough of a program that if we bring someone new in, Key key program at that at the, the same level that you had it in 2015 or I ain't gonna say 2015 that was a, play, a college playoff season so that was a, a beyond their they played beyond their minds on that one but a uh, 10 win team nine nine not between nine and 11 wins a season without the headaches yeah but we've seen this situation this may be the problem because of the pendulum swinging in the state. Jim Harbaugh, Penn State, and the, the division stepping up, Maryland stepping up. This may be a situation where if they get rid of their best coach, they could stumble into irrelevance and and, and become that program that's 7 and 6, 8 and 4 continually and lose a couple of games that they're not supposed to. Maybe get up for the Michigan game, beat mm-hmm. them every one, two, or three years, and it's like. That's all you have to look forward to,
0: yeah they're really uh at 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 the crossroads right now, and they need to be uh very strategic and proactive with their steps uh and at this point um I think that they um can't say at least publicly that Know that you know that everyone is safe. Um, granted, all of this drama has not affected the basketball team due to the lore of Izzo. Personally, I don't, I don't think Izzo has three years left in him. I just don't. Um, the last couple of years has has ra- added to his stress level. The last couple of years have added to uh, The type of players that he has, which are top-notch players, and him, at least last year, showing a level of inability to control that talent based upon his coaching style, which he's used to coaching people up and them developing as opposed to having people come in and develop and play his system and usually that junior year they bud. Um, But Izzo is the glue that sticks everything together. I mean – I could see Izzo legitimately going from the basketball uh, sidelines to being the AD um, because of the manner that he hasn't had much issues with on his, on his, uh, on his, uh, his team and his program. And when he has, he's dealt with them swiftly um, and made no apologies about it. In my opinion, D'Antonio has been the best coach in Michigan State in my lifetime. But I think he has a huge target on his back right now and is not necessarily on, on, on what he's done. I think if this would have happened any other year, people would not be talking about D'Antonio necessarily being on the hot seat. But coming off of what a two-win season?
1: Three? Three-win, three and nine.
0: Three-win three season? Um this is probably worst, the worst time impossible. Uh, Murphy's Law at its worst. Uh, but I think that he has to maybe, in a way, and it's going to sound real ugly. Uh, Uh, this word is going to sound real ugly, but sabotage the program to improve the program. And what I mean by that is to purposely recruit and sign character guys, which are not always initially the most talented guys that can give you the results on the field, but they improve the culture of the program. Of course, D'Antonio can say that the program is still the same mentality and as everything all together, but there has been some changes. There's a change in the mentality. And I think that winning played a part of it. Uh Winning played a part of it because winning made some top recruits want to go to Michigan State as opposed to going – out of state, or going to Michigan. Um, So I think that played a part in it. And I think you started having access to better recruits. And there is a caveat with better recruits. We talked about that privilege a little bit earlier. But I think that, well, I know that you almost have to do a hard reset of the culture and almost a culture shift. And yes, they had they had to dismiss these players off the team. They couldn't have them th- this issue connected to them any further. Whether they even if they ended up end up being innocent of all charges, it is not good for the program. So now, what do you have to do as as the, the coach? You have to really focus on your actions and the actions of your players and hold them to a higher level of accountability than they have been before. Yeah, you're going to have to be more strict. Yeah, you may have more small game suspensions or, or doghouse situations, but
1: if you don't do those
0: things, you will not be
1: around. Yeah. And, see, my thing is, and this is what I, I've said this before, what started the, the trajectory up towards – with Michigan State upwards which Michigan State was that 20 2007 season where they won the Buffalo Wild Wings bowl when they weren't supposed to they they developed they had those under under the radar guys step up they had those guys come in that bought into the program they had some leadership qualities and that set the ball rolling and once those from then on Everybody that came into the program after that knew where to fall in, knew the culture, knew what was expected of them. But as you like, yeah, like we've been saying, as you get more talented, they come in with that mindset of "I'm already. I'm. Do you know who I am?" And this happened with Florida, Florida, and Ervin Meyer after his second, after his championship season, which caused to the demise of that program. You have. Freshmen bucking up against seniors because oh this here comes this hot shot five star senior I mean freshman telling me oh I don't I don't have to do that I don't have to fall in the, in the line with these freshman hazing rituals because I'm Mr All American or I'm Mr All State I'm Mr uh, uh, Army Bowl participant whereas you how many offers did you have as coming in when I was in that same scenario and they all they knew was success they didn't know how to battle through adversity they didn't know how to and, and this is a nickname that a lot of the programmers kind of adopted for the team this there were no spartan dogs they they were they were dogs only in name but not fight because they they hadn't fight they didn't have to fight they were on the top of the big Ten. They were one of the top teams in the conference. They were. They beat Stanford. They they beat Baylor. They were going to the college football field. They were high off the hall. So, without having that that culture of leadership being fostered, it's like who do we turn to when things? But who do we turn to to make sure the, the ship remains intact? Nobody here. I mean, I can remember um, with um, Malik McDowell. and This is funny how it never played out this way. He said going into his last season, oh, I'm only going into the NFL if I'm a top 10 pick. People forget that he said that. But what happened? He was They pushed him out of the first round even after, even before the question started happening, or the back into the first round even before the question. So what happened to this mindset of, I'm only going to declare if I'm a top 10 pick. Right. So,
0: I mean, that changed. Yeah. Oh, no, I was agreeing. I was just agreeing with you.
1: This yeah, just. And, and that's where that culture change comes in. You have guys that put themselves above the program and their word no longer became their bond. And it's like, okay, no, nah, I'm here to become a. This is, I'm biding time before I be, I go off. And if people try to. The the whole situation, like the the movie draft day, they looked at, people tried to to just blow off the fact that Connor Cook wasn't the team captain, wasn't one of the team captains. Maybe that played a bigger factor than what we ever considered because, I mean, that says something where all these other guys have come in and, and took on these leadership roles and he doesn't have one, this is your quarterback. And now who who I mean even now with everything even with the success of Patel last year who are the leaders on that team now? What maybe L J Scott who's, who had his own questionable issues that I think hopefully gets cleared up and he gets back on the track, but I can't think of anybody else. Maybe a couple of the the, the offensive linemen that are, one of the Allen brothers that are still there. Some but there's no defined leadership. The the you can go back when the Riley Buller, Max Buller was there. We knew he was the leader. They had the no-fly zone. Those guys were the leaders. You had um, some of the defensive linemen. Uh, they were the leaders. Nobody is – no one is – I can't think of anybody. And that's going to be the cost the because Coach D'Antonio and his staff can't do it all. You have to police yourself. You have to have guys. On your team and say no, this is not how it's going to go down, because that's what determines, even with the especially with a young team, how things go, and that's going to be the question with Michigan, who steps up into that leadership role, and we've seen it so far. Rashad Gary, even as a sophomore, has stepped up, and people are following him. Uh, Maurice Hurst, people are following him. You you have a quarterback, Wilton Spate, people are still willing to follow him. People underestimate leadership on the college team. You may not have all the pieces, but if you have enough in that leadership role, that can get you over the hump when you need it. Right,
0: and and I, and I think that that's where the character recruits come into play. Is that internal leadership where things don't occur because of that internal leadership and you don't have to worry about things getting back to coach because those things are not occurring because of the leadership within the team. I mean, you all have, and we all play on teams where you've had good leadership and you've had bad leadership. But on the football team, you tend to have its more players. You tend to have that good leadership that's there. You tend to have people that are that motivating force in those other aspects uh, because if not, you just have anarchy. So, the it's going to be important that that internal leadership steps up and starts to make a difference because number 1 they need to ch- change the culture immediately uh cuz it's trending downward at a at a rapid pace but you also on, we haven't even, we just now start talking about it on the football side. You're coming off a 3-9 season when you have a lot of question marks, and you've just lost three contributors out of your two th- uh, 2016 draft class. So you have, no, yeah, 2016, because I think they all were early recruit uh, early entries. So you lost a lot. A lot more than just players off the field. You lost leadership, you lost production, and you have to be careful so that you do not lose your program. Because it can happen. You can see on the field how a lot of times last season it looked like MSU lost their program. They lacked the effort, they lacked the desire, they lacked the production. They were in games to a point. It was like a point, like a glass ceiling effect that they th- thought they could not break through it, so a lot, they just stopped jumping. And they can't afford to do that because <clears throat> has nothing to do with Michigan, has nothing to do with Ohio State. They have established something over this last decade that it took them three decades to get there. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And College football is what have you done for me lately, and the lore of your overall traditions play a part. Michigan State has been hot for a period of time, but it doesn't take long, especially in the generation of Fairweather fandom, for people to dismiss them and jump on other bandwagon. You do not want that to occur if you're Michigan State. You want to stay and, re- and remain as relevant as possible uh, when it comes to uh when it comes to your program and your relevance on the Big Ten and national stage. Uh nat- last year they got knocked back a little bit off their national stage, but they're still relevant in the Big Ten. I think they're still within that top. Six in 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 the Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. They're within that top five. I still uh-huh. think they are. So it's all about how are you able to remain in that number when you're dealing with this because it's going to hurt. They they have gaps. I mean, they did just get a late sign-in last week, they, they got scholarship openings now. So I'm not even going to say this because that, that this is a whole other thing, and they wouldn't go there. But you have players that are out there, players that are transferred, duco guys that you could possibly sign that could come in and play a role, but you have to make sure that these guys are the right people for your program. Right. And I think that's, that, that has to be paramount. It has to be that perfect where we can't, Make the exception because this guy had this or he has that, and it's no it's no science, but you have to work to make that happen. So we got about three minutes to go, but we're gonna switch it real quick. We're gonna go quick for NFL thing. So NFL Top 100 is out. Uh, Matt Stafford improves at 31, but that's not the real issue. The biggest concern is that J.J. Watt is not happy about his ranking at being number thirty five does he have a legit beef because it is for the two th- it was for the two thousand sixteen season which he was injured a good portion of the time should he get the? uh should he get a pass because of his overall production or are the players right in basing
1: it upon where he is now, Based on his point of clarification with this it wasn't that he felt he was ranked too low. He felt he shouldn't have been ranked at all because he only he was hurt. So I think this is one of those things where his, his colleagues, his teammates are giving him the benefit of the doubt when he feels he doesn't even deserve it. And it, it kind of brought in the question to a larger sense. Who votes, how they vote, and, and why they vote the way they vote. Now, I didn't know this. They don't. These they say that oh, the NFL players vote on this, but it's only a fraction of the league that actually participates. Maybe forty-five to sixty-five percent of the league participates. And then yes, the league is yes, the list is the top one hundred, but each individual person only votes on the top twenty. So I could vote this guy nineteenth on my list where somebody else leaves him completely off the list, and that's where we have this, these ebbs and flows or these gaps and what we think a guy should be or shouldn't be or where he ends up. And it's like, how did he end up this high or this low on this list? So it's, it's, a, it's a point system that's assigned to each vote and all that. So it's just crazy, and I don't think I lost – I initially lost respect for this list because oftentimes some of these guys got the benefit of the doubt or had the lifetime achievement moniker hey. placed on them. Yeah, and it's like, how is this guy ranked this high when, if you're only going off on of last year, he didn't have a good season, or he didn't perform? Yes, this is a a, a great player, but for this particular past season, he didn't play that well. So. I guess it's, it's finally good that one of their own is calling out these voters for doing that. So maybe now you may have a little bit more scrutiny, a little bit more attention being paid to the voting process to make it more legitimized. Because I, I, and as far as Stafford, I figured that's where he was going to be twenty-five, thirty. I mean, he had a great season. He he was in the MVP race until his hand. He messed up his hand in the last three games the the well not well Chicago they won but the Giants game, the Cowboys game and the Packers game, he was a shell of himself because he didn't have the, the zip that he normally has from his own hand. So that changed things and that, that put the team that, that put his season and, and the whole team on a downward trajectory that resulted in them basically losing the division. So, I mean He's about where I thought he should be. I, I want to see what other quarterbacks they have ranked ahead of him because I think that's more important than the overall ranking. So, if there's maybe, I'll say three or four more quarterbacks ahead of him, he did pretty good for himself considering what happened last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it it's an it. I like I like it because. It keeps the NFL relevant because nobody's really paying attention to OTAs unless somebody gets hurt. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. I it's voted on by the players, so it has some level of validity. But, once again, all players don't see all players play. And, you know, J.J. Watt got the benefit of the doubt. But, once again, it's like any other voting for anything. Unless you're a rookie, you're, you cannot remove the memory of what they've done before. And I think that's right. kind of how it, it stays in there that, yeah you know, before he was injured, Watt was this deal. But it's not – and I think it may – to me, I always viewed it as when it says the top 100 NFL players, and it's that season, it's not necessarily who had the top 100 best seasons that year. It's still the top players in the NFL. There's no way you could tell me that J.J. Watt is not a top 100 player, injured or not, in the NFL. That, so I think it may be how people per, uh, perceive it to be is what does top 100 mean? Is it top 100 stats in production during this season? Or is it I'm one of the top players? Which is a different thing. And yeah. if you add people, you'll get different answers. Because that's that's going beyond what they did this season. It's where are they in the grand scheme of things within the league? And I think that with him being in that rank and being injured how he was and being out majority of the season, I think that that seems that the people that voted for him in that manner maybe voted on him in that way as opposed to cross board where in, you know in years past he was head and shoulders. The number one player in the league, and then once again, you think about you know how can J.J. Watt not be in? If I'm voting, how can J.J. Watt not be in the top one hundred? But everybody didn't have him number one because he wasn't even he was he wasn't even top ten. So it was just, it was just an interesting thing. Always keep it keep the NFL fresh in the mind. But we're here at the end of the show. Um, another great one. Just let you know, make sure you check out the podcast. Podcast is available if you go to blogtalkradio.com slash sports you should subscribe, You subscribe, you'll get the emails and the notifications every time the show is posted. Also, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to sports Q&A, and you'll get them automatically downloaded. You can go back and watch episodes. Watch. Listen to episodes over the last six years. That's right. Six years. Um, it's wow. six or five. five. six. Yeah, six, six years.
1: 2011.
0: Yeah, over the last six years. Um, You can go ahead and do that. Make sure you subscribe. And check out our website, www.sportsqanda.com. And here's this other thing. Check out this hot new youtube blog a vlog that somebody that's near and dear to sports q and a has hasn't had the opportunity to kind of release and do the drop he's already had a couple things, but Q, why won't you do the release right here on the show and tell people where they can watch
1: your new vlog now for those who know me they know i'm a I'm a sports fanatic you should know this by the show, but I'm also a a sneakerhead collector shoes. Purchase shoes sometimes too many, so decided to go ahead and start my own uh, shoe vlog. It's uh, Sports Guy Q, um, all one word. Go ahead, subscribe to the page, like the like the post. I got maybe three or four posts up there already. We're doing it for a couple of weeks. Been motivated by some other people I follow on uh, social media, and it's just therapeutic. It's just, it's fun to talk about. I talk about sports on there a little bit, but I try to always blend the whole sneakers life uh, mindset with this. sneaker sports, and life, um, just trying to bring something new to the table. They say never put all your eggs in one basket, so I'm learning not to do that. So just be on the lookout for that and just support. Tell people if you have a business, if you have something you're doing outside of your 9 to 5, let us know because we'll support you. And we can't support you if we don't know what you're doing. That's right.
0: And, hey, you can even come on here and have a platform to talk about it. I want to give, uh, before we get off the air, I want to give kudos to this guy. This guy is a selfless guy, a, a fellow uh, sports journalist uh, in the city of Detroit. Underrated in a lot of areas, but he is an advocate for youth sports in the city. Uh, none other than B. Hunt, Brandon Hunter on another successful Cleats for Kids Event in which he was able to collect donations as well as give out tons of uh, cleats for youth and high school players who are in need uh, in order to play sports. Uh, he's done it for, for this is second year cleats. Next, uh, he's also done basketball shoes as well. Uh, I want to give B Hunt his credit uh, a true Detroiter, a true advocate for what is all is good. Uh, and he's hated on cause he speaks true sports wise, but that's another thing. But wanna give him uh accolade more I wanted to get him on the show prior to, but we missed a couple of weeks uh prior to, but we'll make sure we do. We are a definitely a supporter of B Hunter and w- um, what he does. So I wanted to give him accolades for what he does and what he because uh what he does for the stu- uh the student athletes in the city. Uh, and I don't think he gets enough accolades for that, so I wanted to give uh, our partner in crime, B-Hunt, accolades for that. So um, with that, folks, we are stepping out of here. Facebook Live, I'm going to let you go probably about two seconds before anything else, but this will be on our Facebook uh, Live. uh, Yep, I just ended it, and I'm posting it now. So you can check it out. It's on the. the L O W E, the low in Washington, Facebook uh, account, and it'll be available soon. So you can see highs and lows. You can see my diamond thief shirt. Uh, and with that, hopefully, we get it when we come back next week. <laughs> that the finals is not over. And right. We get to, <laughs> we get to talk about it a little more uh, because it's going to go back into baseball season a little. You know, that'll be it. We're not going to start talking about soccer, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be baseball season and anticipation of football if basketball is not going on. So with that, oh, and the NHL finals are are, are, are still going on. Three games to go, tied up 2-2. Predators came in, uh, kept home court advantage. So we may be able to talk about that a little bit more as well. So with that, folks, we are out of here. We will talk to you all next week.